So again, Zohar is saying, whereas normally we go ahead and we really focus primarily on Tehillim and then kind of bring in the parsha a bit more tangentially, it's difficult with these parshios to approach them tangentially. They are filled with so many profound stories and so many profound ideas that I want to switch the emphasis a little bit, focus a bit more on the parsha, and then Amir Sashen kind of bring in a little bit less of Sefer till next week. Well, next week actually there's no shear. The following week we'll switch back to an emphasis on Sefer Tehillim and then kind of pushing the parsha to the background a little bit. So let's begin. Vayomer Shemal Avram. Number one, opening pasuk of this week's parasha. Hashem says to Avinu, "Lech lecha me'artzecha u'mimoladetcha u'mibeisavicha el ha'aretz asher araka." Perhaps one of the most famous psukim in the entire Torah. Hashem says to Avram, "Lech lecha, go for yourself from your land, from your birthplace, from the house of your father, to the land that I will show you. And what will happen? Ve'eschalo gaigadol, I'll make you into a great nation. Va'avarechecha, I will bless you. Va'gadlo shemecha, I'll make your name great. Ve'yei bracha." And I will give you a blessing. And the Pasek goes on. So what's interesting to note is as follows. We know that especially Chumash Bereshis, more than any of the other Chumash, although Shmos is a close second as well, is filled with stories. A dramatic number of stories. And the commentaries on the Chumash already focus on this idea. The Torah is not a storybook. The Torah is a book of laws, morals, and ethics. And as such, whenever we learn a story... We always have to ask ourselves one simple and fundamental question. Why is this story here? What's the message? What's the meaning? Why is it included? So the truth is sometimes because we know the stories of Bereshus in particular so well, we lose a little bit of objectivity when we think about these parashios. So if I were to ask you, why is it that this entire story of Lech Lecha is included altogether? In other words, just tell me that Aaron Avinu got from point A to point B. Why do I need the entire build up over here in order to, in order to what, what is it teaching me? What's the simple shot? What is it teaching me? What is it teaching me? It's a good question, no? I'm sorry. A brand new start, right? Beautiful. That sometimes we need a brand new start in order to accomplish great things in life. Great. Along the same lines, of course, the Pashup Shah could also be that sometimes to actualize your personalistic greatness, you have to be willing to venture into the unknown. More often than not, if you give people a choice between a present that is mediocre and known versus a future which could be spectacular but is unknown, 9.9 out of 10 times people will choose present known mediocrity. And that's for a variety of different reasons. We're scared of change. We're scared of the unknown. And here the Torah is telling us that, by the way, if you want to become something great in life, greatness by definition requires venturing into the unknown. Greatness always requires kind of putting yourself out there, leaving your comfort zone in order to be able to discover and to actualize your personalistic greatness. And by the way, if you notice, this is actually the story of every single one of our biblical, we'll call biblical heroes. Every single one of them, men and women, have this moment where they have to choose, they have to choose between staying with what they know and venturing into the honor. Remember again, did Aram Avinu have to listen to Hashem? Did Aram Avinu have to listen? When God says to him, Lech Lecha, did Aram Avinu have to listen? What would you say? No, you don't have to listen. 
You know, there's an incredible passage in the Zohar. The Zohar writes, the Zohar writes, and this is it's not our topic for tonight, because the truth is it's a sheer in and of itself, but the Zohar writes that in fact, in fact, God was calling out Lech Lecha for generations. He was calling out Lech Lecha. He was looking for someone who was willing to go ahead and seize the opportunity to spread the message of monotheism across the world. There were many, many people who heard Lech Lecha before Avram Avinu. So what was the difference between Avram and the rest of the people? Avram heard it and did something. And by the way, you could play this out. What did probably everyone else do? Right? You, you imagine, you're, you're, right, you're on the way. You're on the way to work, to the supermarket, wherever you are. You're on your way. You hear Lech Lecha. You hear Lech Lecha. Right? So what do you think to yourself? His wife told him not to. His wife told him not to. That's also, right? Very true. Very true. Right? But you can imagine this played out. Is plenty of people heard Lech Lecha. Plenty of people heard it. Right? But what happens? Too busy. Too busy. Now's not the right time. I'm kind of in the middle of things. God, I'll get back to you. Right? Don't call me. I'll call you. Right? A whole bunch of different things. Avram Avinu was not the first person. Who knows how many people before him heard it. Avram Avinu was just the first one to say, I'll act. I'll do. I'm willing to venture out of my comfort zone in order to accomplish something great. And I think, first of all, that a message like this is so incredibly profound on so many levels because we live, you know, Baruch Hashem, we live in such a beautiful time for Klav Yisrael, right? So many, you know, I often say, people always speak about the problems that the Jewish people have. Okay, we have problems just like everyone else, but we also have a lot of really incredible things going on, beautiful things going on, explosive growth in so many beautiful spiritual ways going on. But one of the interesting things that is a trend within the Jewish community is conformity. Conformity. There's a box. There's a box. And there's different boxes for different people, but every segment has their box. And in the box, you look like this, you dress like this, you behave like this. Now the box, in certain respects, gives a certain level of security and comfort because it's known, right? It's, it's defined. But it's also so incredibly... Can you imagine, by the way, if Avram Avinu would have had a box? Like, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Right? Armavino would have never found the Shidduch, right? Armavino would have never, Armavino would have never survived in today's contemporary Jewish society. Why? Because he was totally out of the box, right? You say that someone's out of the box today, right? What is out, out of the box is code, right? Out of the box is what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Why can't you fit in the box just like everyone else? There is such a push and such an emphasis on conformity. And yet the incredible thing to notice is not one of our biblical heroes conformed to any pre-established norm. And in fact, what was great about them was that they were willing to go out on their own. They were willing to go ahead and do something different. They were willing to go ahead and forge a different path, even if no one else ever heard of it, or even if no one else agreed with it, or even if no one else subscribed to it. It's just something incredible how HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us these paradigms. There's a push to conformity, a push to live in the box, but also recognition that that has benefits. The dangers is that one could consign themselves to a life of present mediocrity. Meanwhile, the whole message of Lech Lecha is, if you want greatness in life, you're going to have to leave your comfort zone. You're going to have to do things that are outside of your reach of comfort and push yourself towards some type of greatness. 
But I want to share with you a couple of other ideas because I think it's important to understand, you know, we're, like I said, we're so used to these stories, so often we don't look at them critically. But if we really try to delve a little bit deeper and try to understand what is it that the Lech Lecha story teaches us. Okay, so now I have lesson number one. Lesson number one is you're going to have to leave your comfort zone in life in order to accomplish great things. That's number one. Let's do a little bit of Tehillim. Let's tell him share. Take a look at number two. So this is from, from Kapitel Kofiotes. You know, chapter 119 is the longest capital in Sefer Tehillim. It goes through the entire Aleph base. I think in our current trajectory, we'll get to 119 in about uh, eight and a half years, something like that. Then it'll probably take us another eight and a half years just on Kapitel Kofiotes. All right, fine. So I want to show you an incredible Pasuk. I mean, I'll just say something amazing. This, happened, this Pasuk happens to show up in tomorrow's Dafyomi as well. It's quite interesting. So the Pasuk says as follows, Nishpati va'akayema, lishmar David HaMelech says, I swore and I fulfilled to keep the judgments of your righteousness. So what this sounds like on a very basic level is that David HaMelech swore in order to go ahead and keep the mitzvot of Hashem. What jumps out as you as strange about that? Why does he have to swear? After all, again, we're bound to keep the mitzvot. What, what are you swearing? What is, I swear to keep Shabbos. Right? I swear to only eat kosher. What, what are you talking about? Right? We're bound. We're bound. Generally, a shvua, when you take an oath or you take a neder or take a vow, what you're doing is you are imposing some additional layer of obligation, some additional layer of prohibition upon yourself. But here, David HaMelech says, I swore to go ahead and keep your mitzvot. So the Radak, so actually let's skip to number four. So the Gemara actually says, again, this is tomorrow's Dafyomi. So the Gemara says as follows. Fascinating. How do you know that you're allowed to take an oath in order to go ahead and fulfill a mitzvah? Now, what does this mean? Remember, taking an oath is a very severe and significant thing within Judaism. Because an oath, of course, requires the taking of the name of Hashem. The Rambam brings down that if one takes an oath in vain, they are in violation of the second of the commandments of Losisa, Hashem, 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 taking God's name in vain. So we take oaths very seriously. Yet the Gemara says, the Gemara says that I am allowed to swear, to take an oath to perform a mitzvah. So for example, like I said, I'll use the name before, I want to take an oath that I'm going to put on tefillin tomorrow. I swear I'm going to put on tefillin tomorrow. I swear I'm going to keep Shabbos this week. So the Gemara says, you could take such an oath like that. How do we know you're allowed to take such an oath like that? So the Gemara quotes our Pasuk from Tilim. David Melech says, Hashem, I swore to keep your mitzvahs. I but asked the Gemara, but why are you swearing? You're already essentially under oath, right? Where are we under oath from? From Harsinai, right? At Harsinai, when we entered into a covenant, there was, during Sinaitic revelation, there was also Sinaitic commitment. At Harsinai, when we said Na'asev we committed ourselves to Torah. So the Gemara calls this Mushba Va'omid. You're already adjured, so to speak. You're already under oath. You're already under oath to keep the Mitzvah. So why am I taking an additional oath? And the Gemara says something amazing. Last line of number four. That a person could take an oath. Now this wording is very interesting. Means to give yourself some extra zrizos. 
So there are those here who are learning with us. We're in the middle of the Mishnah Bura, Mishnah Bura, excuse me, Mishnah, Mesilas Yisharim, Hachzik program, where we learn five minutes of, of Mesilas Yisharim each and every day. So Baruch Hashem, we are in the middle of the section on, Zihir, on Zirizus, on alacrity, eagerness, and zeal. So the Gemara says, you're allowed to take an oath to perform a mitzvah in order to go ahead and give yourself extra zrizos, to give yourself an extra push, to give yourself an extra oomph, to give, to propel yourself forward in your religious and spiritual observance, you are permitted to go ahead and take an oath to perform a mitzvah, even though I'm already bound to keep that mitzvah. So this is really quite fascinating. So I could swear that I'm going to put on tefillin tomorrow morning, even though, again, I'm already bound. I could swear I'm going to keep Shabbos, even though I'm already bound. I, what's the role of the oath? The oath is there to propel myself forward. Or in other words, what the Gemara is saying is, sometimes in life, the only way to get traction is to push yourself forward. You know, the Ramchal writes about this also in Zrizos. He says, what's the greatest struggle of man? If you ask people, right, what's, what's mankind's, what's human beings' greatest struggle? Greatest struggle. So again, we could give a whole bunch of different answers. Taiva, desire, gaiva, arrogance, all different things. The Ramchal says, no. The greatest struggle is atzlos, is laziness. He says, why? Because man is made of matter. Man is made of matter. What is the natural state of matter? To remain at rest until it's acted upon. Right? Matter remains at rest until it is acted upon. So what that means is my natural state of being is I don't want to move. I don't want to move. I don't want to move physically. I don't want to move spiritually. I don't want to move. And by the way, that's not me being a bad person. That is my default setting as matter, that's my default setting as being something that, that is matter, that is a human being. So what, what the Gemara is saying is something absolutely amazing. So the whole thing of Zrizos and the Ramchals, well, the whole thing of Zrizos is you got to push yourself forward. You got to push yourself forward. So the Gemara is describing something amazing over here. I'm allowed to swear that I'm going to perform a mitzvah, even though, again, logically, I'm already under oath to perform the mitzvah. But I could take an additional layer of oath in order to do what? to push myself forward. Because there is a recognition in life that if you want to accomplish something, you know what the hardest part is? The hardest part of any accomplishment is the first step. Actually getting myself into a rhythm of movement, leaving the state of rest and transitioning into dynamic spiritual or physical movement, whichever one it is. So the Gemara says, you could use a shvua, you could use an oath in order to push yourself forward. What does this have to do with Avram Avinu? So if you take a look at number five, so I'll show you something beautiful. There is a beautiful parish on the Zohar called Masok Midvash. Such a nice name, sweeter than honey. Masok Midvash. And here, if you look at number five, so the Zohar in this week's parasha says as follows. says, Lech lecha me'artzecha, Rabbi Abba Pasach va'amar, Levair hatam ama zocha avraham, Yoser mikol b'nei doro, Shamar la'akotish baruch hu lech lecha. So the Zohar asks the following question. Why Avraham? Why Avraham? Why did Avraham merit? Why did Avraham merit? 
to hear, to speak with God, to be HaKadosh Baruch Hu's right-hand man. Why did Avraham merit that more than anyone else? So again, I quoted to you before the Svasemes, that Avraham was just one who chose to listen. Why did Avraham merit more than anyone else? Look what the Zohar writes. Go down to the third line. He says, even before God called out to Avraham, Avraham already made an effort to come closer to God. Where do we find that? Look what the Zohar writes. Ki abolitar m'sayin also, u'lefi shiyotza me'orkastim l'alechas artsekinan, so this is incredible. This is incredible. I want to point out something very interesting. The way the partios of Noach and Lech Lecha read is not the way they actually occurred. What, what do I mean by that? When you open up Parshas Lech Lecha, Parshas Lech Lecha makes it sound like when does Avram Avinu begin his journey from his homeland? When does it begin? Parshas Lech Lecha. Right? When was, we open up the parish and it sounds like Avinu is sitting at home, sitting at home, minding his own business, going about his life. Divine voice comes, Avraham, lech lecha, me'artzecha, moladetcha, me'beisavicha. Leave everything. But in fact, that's not how it happened. Go back to the end of Parshas Noach. And the Torah tells us, Avraham Avinu already left his home in the end of last week's parasha. He already set out with Terach, with Sarai, with Lot. They already set out. They already began the journey. Right to Zohar, Avram, where are you going? God didn't call out to you yet. And what's the answer? Avram Avinu already started looking for something bigger before HaKadosh Baruch Hu ever called out to him. And in fact, the reason why God called out to Avram Lech Lecha more than anyone else is because Avram Avinu had already proactively decided to move himself and to move his life forward. It is such an incredible idea. We look at Lech Lecha as the beginning of Avraham's journey. Before Lech Lecha, he's sitting at home. After Lech Lecha, he packs his bag and he moves and says, no, 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 that's not how it happened. It's not the Zohar. That's what the Pesukim said. That's not how it happened at all. In fact, Already at the end of Parashas Noach, Avram Avinu decides, there must be more for me in life. There must be more. There must be something bigger out there that is waiting for me. I don't know what. I don't know where. I don't know with who. I don't know what my destiny is. I don't know what my job is. I don't know what my shit is. I don't know anything. All I know is that there's got to be something bigger out there waiting for me. And what does he do? He takes the first step. He begins the journey on his own. Where is he going at the end of Parshas Noach? Where is he going? Where is he going? Somewhere. Somewhere. No particular, right? No particular. He's now again, in the end of last week's parasha, he doesn't know that he's going to Eretz Kinan. Remember, even in Parshas Lecha, he doesn't know that he's going to Eretz Kinan. Because remember, Hashem never gives him the destination. Hashem just tells him, I'll show you where to go. I'll show you where to go. There is no stated destination for Avram Avinu. But at the end of last week's passage, he already decides, I have to move myself forward. And the Torah Dosha is teaching us an incredible lesson. That at the end of the day, if you want things to happen for you in life, you must take the first step. You must take the first step. 
And I think herein lies why so often we don't self-actualize and we don't accomplish the things we're capable of. Because often the approach we take is, okay, I'm ready for something big. I'm ready for a change. I'm ready for a paradigm shift. I'm ready. I'm ready. And so what do I do? What do I do? I wait, but I'm ready. I'm really ready. Right? I'm ready for it. Just, just bring it. Right? I mean, I'm going to sit on the couch. I'm ready. I'll even put down the remote. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm so ready for this big thing. That's not how big things happen in life. Big things. What is it? I think it was the Heinz commercial that used to be good things come to those who wait. Right? Nothing comes to the, maybe ketchup. Maybe ketchup comes to you if you wait. Right? That's the only thing that comes to those who wait. Otherwise, nothing else happens in life if you just wait. And that's the Torah is trying to tell us. See, the parish of Avram, Lech Lecha. And what does Hashem want us to when we read this Pasuk? Hashem wants us to ask the question of the Zohar. Why, why Avram? Why Avram? Out of a whole, remember again, I just want to point out, I just want to point out, before Parshas Lech Lecha, what do we know about Avram? What do we know about him? Before Parshas Lech right, you, you read last week's Parshas What did we learn last week's Parshas about Avram Avinu? Right? That his name is Avram. That he's married to a woman named Yiska. That his father is Terach, that his nephew is Lot. Absolutely nothing remarkable about Abraham Avinu. Nothing. In fact, if you don't know who he is, he sounds just like another name, right? Parshastoch is filled with these genealogies. It just sounds like another name, like another guy, another guy. And so he opened up Parshastoch, and suddenly God is talking to him. Go. Go, I need you to be my man. And Zohar, Zohar wants us to ask, why him? Why him? Well, what's, I, I have not seen anything in, unusual. And you know, again, we know the Midrashim, he smashed all the idols in his father's house. That's fine. But the Torah itself doesn't tell us anything about him, but it does. Because the Torah at the end of Parshas Noach tells us that Arma Avinu decided proactively to begin the journey away from the known in order to go ahead and find something else in the world. He doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know why he's going. He doesn't know what the life has in store for him. But all he knows is if I'm going to make something great out of my life, I need to take the first step. I need to take the first step. And this becomes a model for us as well. That if we want to accomplish things in life, Accomplishment, right? Great things never happen to those who wait. I have to be willing to take the first step. If we talk about this for just a moment, so why don't we take the first step? Why, why so often do we wait? I will tell you, so many people spend their lives waiting, right? Each and every one of us has dreams and aspirations. And yet, why is it that most of them remain unfulfilled and unrealized? It's not because we're incapable. It's not because we don't want it. It's because we're simply unwilling to take that first step forward. Why are we unwilling to take that first step forward? So probably a good part of it is fear. And what's the other part of it? Uh, Right, what's the other part of it? Well, there's fear of the unknown, right? And what else is there fear of? Failure. And, And here, this is not our topic for tonight, but I just want to share it with you just very quickly. Was everyone of you a smashing success? That's a hard question, right? Was Avram Avinu a success? 
right? You feel like you have to say yes, right? He was the obvious. We're going to say no. I was going to point out something very interesting to you, which is, Avinu, right? Just trace his life for just a little bit, right? He goes ahead. He gets to he gets to Canaan. This is parasha. What happens as soon as he finishes in Canaan? Where does he go? Right? What happens? Famine. He goes down to Egypt. Does that go well? No. Whole episode with Sarah, right? Doesn't, doesn't go well at all. Comes back. Wife is barren. Marries Hagar. Has a son, Yishmael. Doesn't go well. Doesn't go well. Has a Yitzchak, right? Akeda. I'm just kind of, you know, there's a lot of other stuff there in the middle, right? But as Akeda, right? Sarah here is Sarah dot. If you look at Avram Abinu's life, was he successful? He was absolutely successful in what his tachlis was, namely to establish the foundation for a future nation. But did he encounter failures? Absolutely. Absolutely. By the way, you want to know what I think? I'm one of, if, you were Avram Avinu, if I think, if you did a 30-second interview with Avram Avinu, Avram Avinu, what is your greatest life failure? I think, you know what he would answer? If you notice, by the way, the Pasuk says that when Avram and Sarai left their homeland, they traveled with as Hanefesh Asher Asu Becharon. They traveled with all of the people, Rashi says, who they converted in Charon. What's the obvious question? Where did they go? Right? The Torah paints a picture that they left Charon with like throngs of people, throngs of people coming. And yet by the time we get to Canaan, right? All we hear about are three people, Avram, Sarai, and Lot. Terach, we know, was left behind, right? He died. He was left behind, right? Where, where did the throngs of people go? Where, where did they go? Rabbi Salavichik says something amazing. He said, you know where they went? They went home. They went home. You know why? Because Avram Avinu, he was incredible. So he got them all together at the Shabbaton, right? And they had the inspirational Onik Shabbos. And Mamesh Shalashudis, where everybody's crying. And Havdallah, beautiful, fantastic. And he's like, all right, let's go to Canaan. And everyone's like, all right, let's go to Canaan. And then what happens? Then what happens? Two days into the journey, they're like, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? Avram and Sarai think, Avram and Sarai think like they're leading a movement. They're leading a movement. And meanwhile, by the time they get to Canaan, three people left. Avram, Sarai, and Lot. And probably at times they thought Lot should have gone back with the rest of them also. Right? Three people left. If you ask Avram Avinu, were you successful in everything? Absolutely not. But isn't it incredible? Isn't it incredible that despite the fact that Avram Avinu suffered so many dramatic setbacks, he was still willing to always take that first step into the unknown. And he does that repeatedly. So what's ultimately, again, for us, the message from Lech Lecha? So number one, message number one, is that at the end of the day, matter is as naturally at rest. And if you want to move yourself in life, you have to be willing to go ahead and push yourself forward. How do you push yourself forward? You always have to take the first step. And that first step is the hardest. And that first step, and by the way, you fill in the blank for whatever it is. It could be in relationships. It could be in careers. It could be in one's ruchnios. Whatever it is, you fill in the blank. There always comes that point where I have to take the first step. And that is the hardest, scariest. Often it is not immediately rewarding. But if you don't take it, no doors open. Doors only open to those who are willing to take the first step into the unknown. So I'll show you something interesting. So that, that, that's our first approach. Another approach. Take a look at number six. Rabbi Nachman 
says something so beautiful. I've mentioned this, this idea. It's actually quoted by a number of the great Hasidic masters. Rabbi Nachman happens to have an especially beautiful formulation of it. So if you look at number six, the Rebbe writes as follows. Lech Lecha. So remember again, it's also an interesting phrase. Lech Lecha means go for you. Rashi understands it as go for you. In other words, Rashi says that Hashem says to Avram Avinu, go, and when you go, it will be beneficial. You will benefit from this journey. The Rebbe says something different. He says, Rabbi Nachman says, Lech Lecha doesn't mean go for you, but rather it means go to you. Go to you. What does it mean, go to you? If you skip to the left-hand column in number six, the second paragraph in, about five lines in, Rabbi Nachman says, again, I'll just, I'll say it outside. Rabbi Nachman says something amazing. He says, Avram, you don't even know who you are. And you haven't yet discovered the true you. Lech lecha. Go in order to find yourself. The journey of lech lecha is the journey of self-discovery. Is the journey of really knowing who you are. There's an incredible sefer written by a young mechaber of Itamar Schwartz called Da Es Atzmecha. Da Es Atzmecha. It's an incredible sefer, which means know yourself. And it's an entire sefer. We actually, we learned it here in the mornings uh, a number of years ago. An entire sefer dedicated to knowing yourself. One of the hardest things, right? You could come to know your spouse. You could come to know your children. You could even come to know HaKadosh Baruch Hu all sooner than you really know you. Because whether we recognize it or not, consciously or subconsciously, we often erect these barriers between us and ourselves. Because sometimes I'm a little bit scared to dig deep inside myself. I'm a little bit nervous to launch into that journey of self-exploration, self-understanding. Why am I nervous? Why am I nervous? I'm scared about what I'm going to find. I'm scared about uncovering my faults and my frailties. I don't want to revisit the misdeeds or the mistakes of the past. So whether we realize it or not, you know, people often talk about like in relationships, like one party walls themselves off from another. They put up a wall, which is obviously terrible and undermines the ability to forge meaningful relationships. But we don't realize how often we wall off our self from ourselves. We put up these walls that I can't really get to know me. And says Rabbi Nachman something so incredibly beautiful. Lech lecha is Akash Baruch Hutang Avinu. I need you to go and journey to discover you. Because you don't know you yet. You think you know you. You've had, you think you've had moments of introspection or personalistic clarity about who and what you are. You don't know you. And so already what the Torah is telling us over here is that each of us has to take this in journey. Because remember again, if we operate with the premise, which of course we are, which is that stories are not included in the Torah because they're interesting or because everybody likes stories. Stories are included because whatever the story is, it contains a message for our personalistic actualization and growth as well. 
What HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling us is just as Aram Avinu had to take a journey to the self, a journey of self-discovery, in order to really understand who he was, we have to do the same. Which then creates the million-dollar question, which is, how do we discover who and what we are? In that journey to the self, in that journey to the self, how do I discover who I am? And by the way, I don't know, maybe none of you feel this. I feel like the older I get, the less, the, the older I get, the more I realize I don't really know me. And I don't really understand why I do the things that I do, why sometimes I act the way that I act, why sometimes I speak the way that I, 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 don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand. I used to think that I knew myself well, because the truth is when you're young, you think you know everything well, right? I know the world well, I know life well, I, I know everything. I, and just as we get older, we realize that we actually know very little. And sometimes one of the most humbling things is just forget about like knowing anyone else or knowing the world. I don't really think I know me. I don't think I really know me. So how do we get to know ourselves? How do we accomplish that journey of lech lecha? So the truth is, Torah tells us, if you take a look at number six, so Rabbi Nachman goes on, and Rabbi Nachman says something incredibly beautiful. The Rebbe says, well, let's look. What does Hashem tell Avram Avinu? So now if we go into the subject of Rabbi Nachman, that the entire essence of your lech lecha is a journey not for yourself, but rather a journey to the self. So what does Hashem tell to Avram? Lech lecha. And in order to do that, what do you have to do? Me'artzecha. You have to leave three things. You have to leave your land, your birthplace, and your father's home. Look what Rabbi Nachman writes. Number six, the right hand paragraph, three lines in. Listen to this. What does it mean? You want to discover who you are? Now, by the way, what Rabbi Nachman is going to say, by the way, is the first step to discovering who you are is you need to kind of drown out the static and clear away the debris. This is what David HaMelech says in Satan Tehillim, that the pathway to personal growth is That's a progression. First, stay away from that which is bad, evil, and then do good. You see, we often always do the opposite, right? Why? Because the truth is, Asay Tov is nice. It's exciting. I'll take this son, I'll do this. Surmeira, avoiding the negative things is much more difficult. But the truth is, in order to achieve real personalistic growth, and in this case, in order to really understand who I am, first I have to identify the things that are holding me back. So Rabbi Nachman says, in life, there are three things that hold us back. Number one, Artsicha. Artsicha means compromised surroundings or circumstances. We often go through life thinking that my circ- I, I, I could transcend my circumstances, right? You know where this comes up often? You know, we all have people in our life that we love very much, feel very close to. Maybe it's friends, maybe it's family. But I absolutely know they're a terrible influence. Terrible influence. They're good people. They're good people but an absolutely terrible influence. And so what do we often do? We tell ourselves, it's okay. It's not going to hurt me. I, 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 could, I, could, just, I, could, I could rise above it. Rabbi Nachman says, 
Natural. Natural. Artsukha means the negative influences in life. Right? In your land, the negative influences around you in day-to-day life. If you allow yourself to be around the negative influences, they will bring, they will draw you in and bring you down. So first step in the journey to the self is you have to leave Artsukha. Identify the negative influences and negative realities in your day-to-day life and find a way to extricate yourself from them. Next, middle paragraph. Moladitcha, number six. Four lines down. What is Moladitcha? This is incredible. Listen to this. Rabbi Nachman says, We are all born with predispositions, proclivities, right? In all different ways. Successful living is sometimes the ability to go ahead and transcend and overcome even my innate wants, desires, or personality predispositions. That's moladetcha. Moladetcha means I'm born with certain things. It's an important idea to know. There are, right, there are certain character traits, certain parts of my persona that I am born with. I, I didn't choose it. I didn't choose it. This is my predisposition. This is my proclivity. This is so often what we think is, well, if I was born this way, if I was born like with this, then I can't transcend it and overcome it. And that's not true. That's not true. A person, now again, certain things maybe I can't like eradicate. There are certain things that may always be part of who and what I am. But whatever I have innately, whatever I was born with, I could manage it. I could manage it. That's moladetra. Identify the innate realities with which HaKadosh Baruch Hu created you. And if they're holding you back, then find a way sometimes to overcome it sometimes to vanquish it, and sometimes to manage it. But do not let your innate predispositions, proclivities, or realities determine who and what you are. That's moladetcha. And number three, mi beis avicha. What does beis avicha mean? Says Rabbi Nachman, end of the middle paragraph, beis avicha, shumishpachta, look what he writes over here. Beis avicha means your family. He says, listen to what he writes, ki kamashtusim, Listen to these words. The Rebbe says, because there is some shtos, some foolishness, some lies that ultimately are a part of the family with which you were brought up. Beisavicha means something amazing. That sometimes you even have to leave behind what you got from your family in order to fully self-actualize. If you take a look at number seven, just very quickly, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe here, in number seven, the end of number seven, writes as follows. He says, look at the last three lines. Sometimes, I'm raised with the wrong chinuch. You know, we, are, we don't choose the family we're born into. We don't choose our parents, just like parents don't choose their children. And sometimes, even though HaKadosh Baruch Hu puts certain children with certain parents, certain parents with certain children, you know, this is, this is important to know, which is also another thing that often we only realize as we get older. I firmly believe with all of my heart that parents, for the overwhelming most part, do the best they can. Or parents do the best they can in accordance with what they know how to do. And sometimes, parents do a miserable job. 
a miserable job. They're terrible. Not because they're terrible people. Not because anybody sets out to be a terrible parent. But it's sometimes people just don't have the necessary skill set. They just don't know what to do. Which, which by the way, there, there's a lot to talk about. There's an incredible amount to talk about, you know, in, in this topic of parenting, especially again in this day and age, where to be a proper parent, you know, no parent wants to smother their child. My advice, smother, smother. Because children in these days are exposed to so many different things. And unless a parent goes ahead and is really involved, okay, not suffocating, but involved in every aspect of their child's life in a healthy way to know where my child is, what my child is doing, how my child is progressing, what are my child's strengths, weaknesses. If, if you're not involved in that, you're doing a disservice to your child. If you're not involved in that, then at the end of the day, you are shirking the responsibility that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given you as a parent. Parents are given a neshama so that they could be metapel. They could actively be involved in every stage of development of that beautiful neshama. Okay, but that's not our topic. The idea over here is, the idea over here is that sometimes in life, we get the wrong chinuch. Sometimes parents don't do a good job. And so sometimes in life, you have to be willing to leave this doesn't mean cutting off a parents. This doesn't mean not talking. But sometimes what it means is a recognition. My parents did the best they could. But I know now that the values they instilled in me are not the right values. The chinuch they gave me is not the right chinuch. Hopefully none of us have experiences like that. But we know that it exists in the world. And when that happens, often a child, as they become an adult, is so torn because there's my learned behavior that I acquired from my parental, from my upbringing. But now I see a little bit more of the world and I realize that, you know what? Maybe that wasn't right. Maybe it was a little bit dysfunctional. Maybe it wasn't the most appropriate situation. So now as an adult, I have to leave Beis Avicha. As an adult, sometimes I have to make the very difficult journey away from the chinuch that I received as a child in order to be able to fully journey to myself. So bless you. So look what's happening over here. So Rabbi Nachman is painting this dramatically beautiful picture. Lech Lecha is not travel for you. Lech Lecha is travel to you. The journey of Lech Lecha is Hashem telling Avram, I want you to go on the journey of self-discovery. I want you to figure out who and what you are. And in order to do that, you need three things. Leave Artsicha, identify the negative surroundings that are in your life each and every day, the negative influences, and find the courage to detach and remove yourself from them. Number two, Moladitcha, all of us are born with certain predispositions, proclivities, wants, desires, lusts. Okay, they're part of me. They're part of me. Handle it. Manage it. If you can, overcome it. If you can, vanquish it. But at least keep it in check so that it does not derail you on your mission and journey of life. And number three, Beisavicha. Sometimes, unfortunately, the chinuch you got, the education you got, the values you received are not good for your personalistic growth. You have to be able to detach and move yourself forward. Cheshbaruch says, if you could do these three things, then at the end of the day, you have the ability to journey towards yourself. Now, this is incredible, but all of this is focused on what? 
the removal of the negativity. What does Avraham Avinu have to do in a positive way in order to go ahead and journey to the self? So I'll end off with one last piece. Take a look at number eight. There is a beautiful Medrash. Look at the Medrash writes. The Medrash says, Vayelech Avram kasher dibar al-Hashem vayelech itolot. Amar Rabbi Levi. Rabbi Levi says as follows. B'sha'a shahaya Avram mahalich ba'aram na'arayim ba'aram uva'aram nachor. Ra'osam ochlim b'shosim pochsim. Amar, halavai lo yehili chilek be'eretz hazovs. So Avram Vino is traveling and he sees, he sees again Aram na'arayim, his homeland. And as he's leaving, what does he see? He sees people are just eating, drinking, have a good, having a good time. Aravino says, you know what? I don't want this land. Right? This is not what I want for my destiny. Okay. What happens? He goes on. He says, As he gets right to the, to the mountains surrounding Eretz Yisrael, he looks down into Eretz Kinan. And what does he see? He sees people pruning, pruning, right? Removing like branches, right? Uh, dead growth, pruning and plowing. And he says, Amr, my portion should be in this land, which was Canaan. Hashem says, Good news, I will give your children this land. So the Ma'ar Vashemesh, Rav Klonimus Kamis Alibi Epstein, who was the grandfather of the Piazetzna, he asks a very simple question. What's going on over here? I don't understand. The first part I understand. Avram's, Avram is in Aram Naraim. All he sees are people eating, drinking, having a good time. And he says, you know what? I don't want this land. He gets to Canaan. He gets to Canaan. And what happens? He sees people pruning and plowing. Oh, pruning and plowing. This is my land. This, I, this is the portion I want. Who says, good news, it's yours. What does that mean? First of all, there's a couple of questions. Number one, number one, everyone knows from your extensive agricultural experience that remember again, plowing comes before pruning, right? You first have to plow and plant something and then you could prune, right? Then you could go ahead and remove dead growths. But yet the Medrash says he saw them pruning and plowing or pruning and planting. So number one, why is the order reversed? Number two, what does it mean? And the Ma'ar Vashemesh says something absolutely beautiful. The first thing Avraham Avinu sees when he, when he looks into Canaan is this pruning and plowing. And he understood that on a metaphoric level, Kaddish Baruch was giving him a message. That successful living is all about pruning and plowing. Meaning what? Pruning. We all have stuff that needs to be pruned. Right? I have growths. Right? I have character traits. I have midos. I have behaviors that I should have stopped a long time ago. I've outgrown them. They're not befitting of me anymore. I'm better than this. Those are the things you have to prune. Those are the things you have to get rid of and you have to detach. And at the same time, I have to plow. What does it mean to plow? Plow means you're planting. So what character traits do you want? What behaviors do you want to inculcate? What kind of person do you want to be? And you have to plant those attributes, plant those mitos, plant those character traits within yourself each and every day. And even once you plant it, remember again, everyone knows you plant a seed. Is that the end of the work? Is that the end of the work? Of course not. It's just the beginning. You have to fertilize. You have to water. You have to nurture. You have to daven. Planting the seed is the good first step. And I don't think he sees this and he says, wow, 
I got it. I got it. Now I have the whole picture. I have the whole picture. Watch. Let's put this all together. Now, Avram, I want you to discover who and what you are. I want you to journey to the self. I want you to discover. I see Hashem says to Avram, I know your greatness. I see your greatness. I want you to discover it. And now Hashem says, Avram, so how are you going to discover your greatness? Two steps. First step comprised of three parts. Leave your negative circumstances. Go ahead. And sometimes overcome your innate dispositions and proclivities. Number three, detach yourself from the flawed value system you received in the parental home. And then Arduino, after you do that, and you clear, you clear away the debris, the next step is now look inside. What has to be pruned? What has to be pruned? What character traits shouldn't be there? Which behaviors just don't stim with the personality you're trying to create? What are the life activities which just aren't advancing your personalistic agenda? Prune them. Get rid of them. And after you do that, plant. Identify what you want out of life. Identify who you want to be. Plant the seeds of those behaviors. Plant the seeds of those midos. Nurture, nourish, and cultivate them. And then you will blossom into something great. So if we bring this all together, it turns out that the Torah Kedosh is not telling us a story because the Rebbein Olam is not a storyteller. The Rebbein Shalom is our father. The Rebbein Shalom is our teacher. And what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to do through every single story in Bereshis is to teach us how to live successful lives. So in this opening Pasuk of Lech Lecha, two dramatic lessons. Lesson number one. If you want something great in life, you have to be willing to take the first step. Just like Avram Avinu left his homeland before Lech Lecha, and only because he took the first step was he zochet to hear Lech Lecha from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that becomes the paradigm. You want something great in life, don't wait. Don't wait. You have to take the first step forward. It's scary. It's unpredictable. It's unknown. And maybe there even is a high probability of failure for that first step, but nothing gets done unless you're willing to take that first step into the unknown. That's lesson one. Lesson number two is that the journey of Avram Avinu was not a journey to or to somewhere, but rather it was a journey to himself. And that becomes the journey that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants each and every one of us to take as well, to discover who we are. Again, how do you discover who you are? Leave Artsicha, your circumstances, negative circumstances. Moladetcha, your innate negativity. Beisavicha, a flawed value system if I was brought up with one. And then, and then, become a pruner and a planter. Isn't it incredible how sometimes all of life comes down to one phrase? Pruning and planting. Right? If anybody asks you, what's the key to success in life? Now you have right, a three-second answer. Key to success in life? Pruning and planting. That's it. Get rid of the stuff that doesn't belong and plant, nurture, and nourish the stuff that you need. That was the journey of Avram Avinu and Halavai Wishabizocha to find the Karzak Avram Avinu to take that journey as well. The journey of Lech Lecha, the journey when we truly get to discover who and what we are and who we are truly capable of becoming. All right, we'll stop over here for tonight. There's no sheer. Next week, I apologize. If you're not on the WhatsApp group and you'd like to join the WhatsApp group, there's the, the barcode is on the top of the source sheet as well. You could just scan it and Amir Sashim join. That's where we post all the updates. 
All right, Shkoch, everyone. Welcome back.